Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm Alex. And I'm Britton, hoping he remembers what happened in the movie, because I think I've already forgotten a lot of it. Not that it's I okay. understood most of it, but... Britton, it's okay. The Matrix reset when you weren't paying attention, so like it's completely like you, your mind is reset. Well, that's okay. what happened. Couldn't that's they just... Every- they could have called this movie The Matrix Reset, and it... Probably would have worked. Reboot. Yeah. That would have been fun. Yeah. It would have been very on the nose. Well, the problem is, I think think The Matrix Reloaded is a much more fitting title for this movie than the second film. But yeah, Yeah, this this really like I get that they're trying to to stick with Reloaded and Revolutions. Yeah. Uh, But it just Resurrections is the most overused like yeah. late sequel title well so it's I mean, like I, the, they, the meta narrative of the movie i think it's almost perfect <laughs> i think i think it almost is until it isn't sure. <laughs> we can talk about that um but yeah yeah uh britain i i didn't we didn't know how to tell you this but alex and i are uh actually synthians Oh no! Uh, are, every time you come back on the podcast, you're it's because you've had an episode where you believe you're in the real world, real world, but then you're back on the podcast. Aw, so beans! Aw, oh, nuts. Well, I guess that explains why I keep going to a a dingy coffee shop in my sad mm-hmm. woolen hat. <laughs> I, I thought, I thought your... calling it simulate was was fun. Simulate is good. No, that's a good one. That's a good joke. I was just say, gonna say to cover the balding hair that you didn't know you had. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Don't tell me that. <laughs> As I rapidly pat my um, my head. <clears throat> we are talking about the Matrix Resurrections. For now. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah. As long uh, as we feel like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Y'all know which Alex... show you're listening to. Correct, <laughs> Alex. What What are the things that we should know about the movie? Uh, the Matrix Resurrections, directed by Lana Wachowski from 2021. It has a 63% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 64% audience score. And mm. those were both higher than I remember them being. Hmm. I like this movie quite a bit. Do those we need are... to refresh um, people? Because it's been a long time since we did the first three movies. Yeah, so we need I to probably refresh. don't remember what happened to them. Alex, what? Uh, uh, so, okay. And this is not a joke. Yeah, I two and three have basically slid out of my brain. Um, sure. I just Can't don't blame you. And I think it's one of those things that like I would if you told me stuff, I would go, oh, OK, sure. I remember that. But like I didn't remember that Neo could fly until this movie. I didn't remember that Jada Pinkett Smith was in these movies until this movie. Like, There's just, you know, I remember should, the first I, Matrix pretty clearly. But. Should I give a, a brief summary of, of at least the second and third movies, and then you can give the summary of the fourth movie? Sure. Okay. Um. So, yeah, Neo learns to fly at the very end of the first movie. That's kind of the, oh. the big ending moment. And um, this movie kind of apes that. It's got the bit where Neo and Trinity kind of fly off. In the first movie, it's just him, and then Rage Against the Machine starts playing. Okay. Right. Um, so in the second one, uh, they actually go to Zion, uh, the human city. There's a big rave. Uh, Neo yeah. and Trinity sleep together. Uh, n- none of the actors have very good chemistry. Oh. <laughs> Woo. 
Uh, we learn that uh, Agent Smith has <laughs> freed himself from his machine programming and Aww. has the ability to take over other programs and other people and basically copy himself. So he just oh. creates clones of himself. <laughs> um, several different long philosophical conversations ensue about choice and fate and cause and effect and what it all <laughs> means and nobody cares. Then there's several very long action sequences, and then Neo gets to the most boring conversation ever at the end of the second movie with this guy called the Architect, and he goes, "Take one door. You you uh, you might save Trinity, but she's still gonna die, and you doom your whole race. Or you take the other door, and we basically reset the Matrix. We kill everyone in Zion except for a few people, and you basically start over. There's actually been six. Is it five or Cycles. five or six pre- yeah. previous Neos? Um, this mo- the fourth movie doesn't really talk about a lot of that, so it's fine. Um, so he opts to go and save Trinity and do the impossible. But in the third movie, they he ends up having his mind trapped in some sort of program, kind of separate from the Matrix, kind of like an in between world. So that's like the opening fetch quest that takes up like a third of that movie. Mm-hmm. Um. Then the machines attack Zion, and there's a giant battle, but none of our main characters are involved, so it's boring and nobody cares. Um, and then Neo and Trinity fly to the machine city, and Trinity dies. Cue Trinity definitely. Go back and listen to that episode. That is one of our funniest bits ever. <laughs> and then Neo makes a deal with the machines to fight Smith, who has now basically taken over the Matrix. Um in exchange for a truce with the humans. So eventually Neo, after like a 30 minute fight with Smith is like, all right, take Mm -hmm. me over. And then the machines have access to him and they can basically clear Smith out of the matrix and Neo seemingly dies. What is a Merovingian? Uh, Tyler, you got your (laughs) philosophical one-on-one textbook right next to you. Maybe we can find out. Cause wasn't that, wasn't that a thing in one of the previous movies? Yeah, that was he's, the, the he's in this movie. Was he the French guy who kept yelling? Yes, who looked yes. like Robin Williams and Jumanji for a where, minute? Where does yes. Merovingian come from? I forget. Is that a made-up word? <laughs> I don't think it it's is. It's probably some offhand it mythology reference or something. The ruling family of the Franks from the middle of the fifth century until 1751. There well. you go. But yes, oh. that is that is the Frenchman okay. who they talk to. Monica Bellucci is his wife in the oh, second and third yeah. films. Okay. Yeah. And he's the one who specifically is, he goes on a long monologue about cause and effect. And he's like, choice doesn't mean anything. Uh, it's all about, you know, the haves and the have nots and it's cause and effect. Um, yeah. And he shows up in this movie. We can talk about that. Uh, Britain. Uh, now that I got all of that exposition out of the way, um, I think I can safely say that we kind of have the same feelings about the first three movies um, based on what I remember. Uh, the first one is really good. Um Obviously, everyone thinks that. The second one, huge disappointments, but it still had some fun moments. And then the third one's just a waste of time. There you go. Okay, cool. E- Thank you. Except for Trinity, definitely. Britain, yeah. what is the uh, plot synopsis of The Matrix Resurrection? Well, Alex, it goes like this. To find out if his reality is a physical or mental construct, Mr. Anderson, a.k.a. Neo, will have to choose to follow the White Rabbit once more. If he's learned anything, it's that choice, while an illusion, is still the only way out of, or into, the Matrix. 
Neo already knows what he has to do, but what he doesn't know yet is that the Matrix is stronger, more secure, and far dangerous than ever before. That's right, it's got new guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a falcon droid. Oh, that, yeah, that's also like a manta ray? Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, in, yep, and, and, and a little and, uh, less inventive fight scenes than I would have liked is, is in sure. this one. But, you know, you play it on hard mode. You're not looking for art. You're looking for, mm-hmm. for challenge. Challenge, yeah. Yeah. You're looking to complete the dang thing. Yeah, you, yeah. Just, you just, you know, that, that one trophy you haven't, that hasn't popped for playing it on, like, brutal difficulty is just, like, that, that 98% completion has really been gnawing at you. So you're like, all right, all right, let's do this. Yeah. But, you know. Um, going into this, I, I was the only one that had seen this beforehand, so I was genuinely curious as to what both of y'all thought. Um, just because, you know, Britain, like you said, you don't really remember a whole lot about the sequels. Um, and this one doesn't necessarily, it doesn't forget that those happened, but it's very much like you don't have to have stuck with all the details from the sequels. Sure. Like, it's fine to have forgotten a few things here and there. Um, and I've got some questions about that later on. Um, but yeah, what what did you guys think about it? I I, I, I already said this, but I, I liked it a lot. <laughs> I think I like it. Uh, I feel like what I really grasped onto early was the the Thomas Anderson persona mm-hmm. uh, and and exploring seemingly Neo in this seemingly new Matrix where he's sort of been trapped by the 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 program making him into somebody who has created video games based on the Matrix sequels. Like that's super interesting. Yeah. Um, you get into some metatextual stuff where, like, the uh, basically they have to make a new, a fourth sequel, literally, uh, or a fourth a fourth game uh, of the Matrix, and they ha- they mention Warner Brothers is the owner of the video game company who is forcing them to do this, and they get into this discussion about like it it forces them as this video game company and populated with a bunch of very like not quite stereotypical, but definitely like the kind of, the kind of actors that you grab for a, a video game company, sort of like a, I don't know if any of them are in um, Silicon Valley, which I've never actually watched, but it feels like they are. <laughs> it feels like half of them come from that. Um, and, and they're all talking about what made the original work. And I thought that was super fun and interesting. I, I think that that is really fascinating in terms of a, a way that they're like kind of grappling with it. And it's it's not the most like ba- it, it doesn't feel like it's the the mo- this movie Matrix Resurrections isn't necessarily against any of the interpretations that these people have of it. Like some of them are portrayed as a little bit sillier, but bullet time yeah yeah like they're talking about bullet time but it doesn't feel like it's necessarily saying none of these are valid it's it's kind of just portraying it all from the perspective of this this old neo who's kind of like confused and and lost and he's not really sure what 
to do with this and, and like how to move forward with this because he doesn't want to make this game in the first place. Um, I don't know. I thought all of that was super creative and I love that. It's not like fourth wall breaking. It's it's more um, almost like lampshading. Like I thought that was very fun. Uh, there's a there's a great montage in this where it plays the song from the trailer, the White Rabbit song. Uh, and he's like going through the cycles, going through the motions. Uh, there's a shot where he's in an elevator and all these, these, uh, millennials are on their phones. <laughs> he's like those yeah. hacks. Uh, and it's a, re- it's nice cause it's a really quick shot of just like a little, a little image of how he does not fit in. And, and this is a different world than sort of the world that he, we know him from, I guess. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of cool stuff in that. And then, and then it turns into a matrix movie. It just turns into the matrix and it becomes about the kind of battle. Not really to, it's a slightly different status quo in that now they're working with the machines sort of like some of the machines are on their side. Uh, They have an uneasy piece with the machines that Neo was able to buy them. So they're kind of like, Neo, you did do a good thing. Um, and it's really just about reuniting Neo and Trinity. And I don't care nearly as much about any of it. It, it looks pretty good. Um, especially some of the, the big environmental, like post-apocalypse, apocalyptic stuff. Like there's, there's some sort of retouching and remastering of that aesthetic. Uh, and that looks really good in some places. Um, there's some some good action, some fun stuff, uh, bit, bits and pieces here that I like quite a bit. But I think that, that was I was really hoping something would twist towards the end. And the closest we get is that Neil Patrick Harris's character is revealed to be a piece of program who's trying to uh, turn Neo into more power by using Trinity. Uh, and that's kind of fun but he gets punched out by uh Jonathan Groff <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> he he gets taken out pretty pretty easily there um so i i feel like i was really hoping for something different there uh i i think part of it is just that i and i talked a little bit about this with the first matrix um how that is a movie that i i think i respect more than i really get into or am invested in um it's kind of once they get out of the matrix, I'm not nearly as interested. I, I want to know more about like how they're using this to not necessarily to say something, but what, what kind of story they're telling using this, this narrative device of this world that is containing all these people's minds. And like the, the stuff outside of the matrix has never interested me nearly as much in these movies. And this movie really drives into that by the end uh, and, and kind of it, it feels more coherent and better than the sequels, I think, but it, it doesn't really do much for me in, in terms of being like, Oh, this was something that we really needed this story for. Like that never really clicked for me. Um, I almost wish the entire movie was about this man who, who is like having these, these hallucinations and these, these like, imaginations of the matrix and 
actually is just a dude <laughs> like is has created these matrix video games and like we're exploring that and just taking that story and seeing where it goes without there actually being a matrix um because i i almost feel like that would be more compelling so i don't know i i was a lot more interested in it than i thought it would be mostly because of that first third or so uh but that is basically my entire spiel about the movie and there are more details we can get into but i will stop and pass the the baton oh all right my turn <laughs> um no i i would honestly completely agree i i I feel like I th- I don't think there was ever anything a point in the movie where I was like, oh, this sucks or this is stupid. Yeah. Like I never felt that way. But I think that yeah, like the the first third I think is really compelling. I I love all the really on the nose meta commentary because I I liked that it was on the nose. I liked that they were directly like mm-hmm. Warner Brothers is forcing us to do this. I was like, that's great. Like it made me feel really it made me feel better about this being a forced, you know, nostalgia reboot, whatever thing than I do sure. about a lot of these ones that are happening. Um, Alex, I know you're going to recommend Chippendale Rescue Rangers at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. So just hang on. Um, but I uh, have you have you seen have you seen Robert Zemeckis's Beowulf? There's I a did whole joke about that twice. Chippendale rescue is there really really Seth Seth Rogen is apparently animated in that style and it's supposed to be poking fun at Robert Zemeckis's That's... weird 3D animation oh, I thought it was like That's about incredible. video games I gotta watch that movie I like Polar Express a lot I um <laughs> but um Beowulf I I remember that being a movie that I had that was one of my first experiences with going Britain you need to accept that you don't like this you can't convince yourself <laughs> that you like it you need it's time to grow up my friend you're out of high school it's time to be a man <laughs> it's kind of, it's time to be a man and hate Beowulf. That's that's what that scene in Game of Thrones is about, right? Which says kill the boy. It's about learning mm-hmm. to not embrace the Beowulf movie. Um mm-hmm. but no, I, I I thought all the meta stuff was 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 good in, in Matrix Resurrections and I thought that um yeah, w- once we got into your kind of standard order Matrix sequel stuff, I was like, sure, you know, it looks good, but I'm not as I'm not as like tapped into this stuff. I'm not following a lot of it, but I'm following it enough. I will say, if you had told me um, however many years ago that there would one day be a movie where Jonathan Groff, Neil Patrick Harris, and Keanu Reeves would fight each other mm-hmm. in, like, actual fight scenes, I, I don't know what I would have thought, but it's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just like knowing that that happens. Because yeah. I have thoughts on several of the actors in this movie, as you can imagine. The meta stuff is really fascinating because I think a lot of the detractors of the movie kind of use that against it. They go, right. oh, well, Lana didn't want to make this movie anyway, so it's all just cynical. And she's just trying to lampshade it. And, you know, it's, it's yeah. you know, having your cake and eating it, too. Um, and they even point to, like, the not as good action scenes of, like, they were lazy making this movie. They didn't care, so they intentionally made them bad, hmm. which I don't think is a fair criticism. Yeah. No, it. And I was thinking about this, and probably I'm not the first person to make this observation. Uh, The action scenes are solid, I would say, in this a lot of the time. And I think because the Matrix, the first one, exists, the action scenes that we get in movies have been elevated to where this isn't as mind-blowing. Like, it's, it's good. It's well shot. You can see what's happening. 
there's there's usually some cool stuff going on but like it it just it's like oh i i see this in a lot of other movies now right this has become the style Whereas... Well, I do. I do want to address that because I I did watch some of the um, behind the scenes um, mm-hmm. stuff for this, and they talk quite a bit about how for the first three movies, they were all very very heavily storyboarded. So all of the fight scenes, they knew all the camera angles, they knew the exact positioning, and you know how everything was going to be set up. So that's why those movies and those fight scenes in particular are very precise. Whereas with this one, apparently a lot of it was improv, which I think actually leads to better performances on the parts of the actors. But I think in terms of the fight choreography, that's that I think that explains why they're it's not quite as good. It might have been more enjoyable to shoot, but I think. um, And of course, you know, you've got an older Neo. So like the fact that it's less refined is like it makes sense in a way. Um, but at the same time, it's a matrix movie and people have certain expectations. And I think while you're having all this meta stuff and the matrix trilogy is now a video game and you know, all, all of this kind of messing with people and subverting expectations, I do kind of think that if you had stuck with having fights that were more consistent with how they were done back in the original three movies, I feel like people would feel better about this one or the detractors at least would feel better about this one. I do like the idea that Jonathan Groff improvised punching a hole in that support beam. (laughs) (laughs) I like that fight because I like knowing that Melchior from spring awakening can just punch concrete away. That makes me so happy. I love that guy so much. Um, In the behind the scenes uh, thing, Alex, was there a lot of footage of like, Lana Wachowski going, and I think we're going to show audiences something they've never seen before. Um, and a lot of like, yeah, going back to the match was a great time where you can hear that they're cutting in the interview. Up. <laughs> no, it was actually really, really cool because um, the Wachowskis back for the original three movies, they didn't do a whole lot of um, like interviews or they're not in much of the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. And, and for the new one, Lana, it's like, she's talking through most of it. So it was really cool to be like, all right, now I'm finally getting like her insights into how all of this seems to work. That is cool. Um, That, that was kind of really fresh and exciting. Uh, In particular, when, when she was talking about like why she came back and did a fourth one, apparently um, Warner brothers hounded them for years to, to, to do something. And I think there were rumors that they were going to proceed with a fourth matrix movie with or without the Wachowskis um so oh i think i think michael b jordan was attached to that at one point i think there was a morpheus prequel that was being pitched yeah Yeah. um and there isn't there is a line directly in this movie where they say uh oh hey we're gonna they're gonna make this one way or another so we should be the ones to do it right talking about smith and neo yeah um but lana talked about how um her parents passed away and she had a good friend that also passed and how like through all of that grief she kind of suddenly started thinking back to these two characters uh neo and trinity who were such a key part of her early life and just kind of the story came to her and she was like i think i can make this work this now makes sense to me and it's you know i'm bringing i'm that's why it's called resurrections like i'm bringing back these characters and it's like art helping you to work through grief yeah and i think cool. that's really cool no and that I, is cool I, I don't know i just 
the fact that the movie like spins the first half and gets all the meta stuff out of the way and, and is like grappling with what does the matrix trilogy mean at this point what what does it mean to pop culture what does it mean to me as a person especially with all the the changes that happened with lana wachowski everything that she went through in her life um you know all that stuff's great but i like i i kind of appreciate how at after a certain point it's like no we're we're just going to focus on neo and trinity this is a personal story about their relationship and that's really what it boils down to um I kind of like that. Maybe it's less interesting, but I, I like how it kind of sheds a lot of the, uh, um, not excess because it's interesting stuff certainly, but it, it becomes much more focused in that second half. Yeah. Um, and this is the most I've ever liked Neo and Trinity together. Like sure. when they're having conversations at like the coffee shop and stuff, sure. I'm like, why do I, I never cared about you two in the last <laughs> movies as a couple. Like I, I like Neo and I like Trinity separately yeah. and their action scenes in the first three movies are all great. But like, I never really cared about them as an item. And then suddenly in this one, I'm like, they are meant to be together. This is like, this is awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely feeling this. And I think both of their performances, I, I liked the cast all around. And like I said, I think yeah. because they improved a lot of how they shot the movie, um, I think that lends to them coming up with more interesting choices just in terms of their acting. Sure. Um, and I, I think also one thing to consider is that this was shot during COVID. Like they had to shut it oh, down wow. in the middle of COVID. And I think Lana said something like they almost considered just completely stopping and not doing the movie because of that. Um, but they continue to do it. I feel like if she was making this for cynical reasons, she would have stopped. Yeah. Right. So I, I don't know. There, there, there is some credence, I guess, to detractors of the movie going, no, this is just kind of like a, another cynical soft reboot. But I really think there's more to it than that. I think there's, there's a lot more genuine heart <laughs> put into this than, uh, I know we all like Force Awakens. It has more heart than Force <laughs> Awakens. Maybe and it certainly has more heart than like Jurassic World. <laughs> sure. Uh, but does it have more T-Rexes? Yeah. I didn't I'm, see I'm sure if you look Sam there's Neil enough stuff going on. I I'm sure in the background you can see some sort of a metal uh, a sentient T-Rex or whatever yeah. in the does, does it feature vision the work of visionary director Colin Trevorrow? I I I think your silence do speaks you, volumes, sir. Do you think uh I got nothing Britain. I got nothing. Do you think do you think we should start spelling Colin Trevorrow's name with like a EA U- UX on the end <laughs> instead of OW. Oui, uh, je suis Colin Trevorrow. Colin Trevorrow. I make the Jurassic Monde. Uh... Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Uh, he does the snarky wit, except uh, not really in these movies. He's more of a sort of a, a cardboard man we enchanted to move and speak. <laughs> In the time of the dinosaurs, there were ancient runes. <laughs> I mean, we already done this bit with John Favreau. I think it just it's yeah, like... that also had a Les Misérables parody that was pretty good. Okay, yeah, just carry on then. Yeah, uh, you, <laughs> listen, the French people—they're they're always game for a laugh. Yeah, that's what I hear. Um, <laughs> I uh, no, I I think that was really what hit me, kind of in the two-thirds area of the movie like when it's getting more towards the end is realizing that 
the movie was not going to have like a bigger twist or anything uh, or, or a big mind bend towards the end. And also realizing that I, I think that's why I just never connected with the matrix is that it's the way it approaches. This premise is not the way I would approach this premise or the way that I would like the things that interest me about this premise. And so it, it just is like, I, I think I just realized like this doesn't really connect for me. Cause like, it is really earnestly about Neo and Trinity and reconnecting them and their power together. And it, it really doesn't phase me all that much. Like it, it doesn't, uh, I, I had a hard time finding myself super invested in that. And I think it's just because like, there's so many other elements of this that I would want to see explored instead. Uh, and I, I feel like the world building outside of the matrix is harder for me to get into. It, it was already difficult in the original trilogy, but in this one, there's a lot of like we're moving pieces around and, and bringing you up to speed with exposition because we're trying to set up for, okay, ultimately that this is about Neo and Trinity finding each other. So we got to get that back on, on track uh, and kind of get all the players in the right place for that to happen. So, yeah, I, I think that's where I ultimately land on this. Is it, it, I don't think it's necessarily a, a major problem or like a mistake. I think it's just like the movie's exploring things that are not what I would want to see explored. <laughs> like sure. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just like, okay, this this really isn't for me. It, it really doesn't. It's not why I was intrigued by the originals, and it's not why I really enjoyed the earlier part of the movie. Um, I did want to touch on the world building because I think as a contrast to other soft reboots, this actually does a pretty masterful job of uh, handling all of that. Um, after uh, Neo gets freed from the pod for the second time and he kind of wakes up and, and uh, Bugs goes in to talk to him and we can talk about Jessica Henwick because she is mm -hmm. wonderful in this. Um he has that conversation with her and this i think this is really what i connected with in the movie is just keanu reeves just as an older like defeated neo i just think is a really interesting premise um and maybe this is just i like these older action stars like in these types of movies like i like old rocky i like old wolverine i you know Dark Knight Rises has kind of old batman yeah. <laughs> crystal skull indiana jones 5 i know you're really excited about that uh, yeah yeah I, I liked Crystal Skull more than y'all no, did, yeah, right? Yeah. I don't true. remember. <laughs> um, yeah, good well, to see good... these characters and, and they really relate. You know, you really yeah. feel yourself in these tired well, Tyler, people. I, good day to die I hard. I don't know if... <laughs> I don't know if... I don't... I like that more than you guys did. Um, I, I don't know if... Um, if I've actually said this on the podcast, I, I think I've alluded to it, but like Tyler, that moment where he looks up and he just sees all the, the millennials looking at their phones. And I'm for some reason, even when I saw the first trailer for this movie, I was like, that's like a really provocative image that like speaks to me. And I, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm an old man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I gotta go yell at some kids on the yawn, on the the lawn out there. Like, yeah, I, I thought you were gonna say. I I think I've alluded to this before. I'm 57 years old, <laughs> and I 63. But go on. I'm always crying, macho over here. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll probably watch that on a Sunday afternoon at some point. Right? Yeah. Why not? Mm -hmm. USA. 
character's welcome? Is that? Yes, I think. Yes, yes. Okay. I'm not 64 yet. I've, I've still got some years <laughs> left. I've got, yeah. I've got some mileage left. Um, but I love, I love the conversation that Neo has with Bugs where he goes, you know, the Matrix now is is the exact same as I left it, and it may be worse. Like, I have done nothing. Like, the, basically, the whole trilogy was a waste of time. I accomplished nothing. Which seems like a direct middle finger to something like Force Awakens, where it's like, we're not going to explain why there's a new empire. There's just a new empire. There's just stormtroopers again. The status quo is exactly the same way that it was before, and nothing's really changed. Um, But then the movie does the proper follow-through of, no, things aren't perfect. There's still a lot of bad, but you helped inspire us, and we have now befriended a lot of the machines, and we're actually starting to, like regrow crops and there's the wonderful bit where he tries a strawberry and like i found all of that world building very necessary and i actually thought that io was far more interesting than zion ever was in reloaded or revolutions um i think in terms of soft reboot shenanigans i this hit all the right notes for me in terms of we didn't forget that the last you know the past movies happened even the lesser ones but at the same time, we have to move this forward. We can't just keep people in the same status quo and just hit them with nostalgia, which this movie is directly commenting on. Um, I loved right. it. I hadn't I thought about a lot of that, but I do think it's I do think it rings true. Um, uh, also, he does say, I still know Kung Fu, which is that's as close as this movie gets to, like, the annoying reboot thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but otherwise, I think it's pretty good. Uh, so somehow Morpheus came back. Mm-hmm. How? how <laughs> yeah i think yeah. um if Keanu i were... reeves made a program yeah and that was that program was inside of the matrix uh-huh. because he's a video game developer and then uh bugs and her team found this program and went into this program i guess from inside the matrix already they, they went they went they had to go deeper uh and so then inside of there and they were like, "Hey, something's up with this. This dude made made this code, uh, and they found Morpheus, the like code character inside of Keanu Reeves's game, and they brought the him out. Yeah, modal, and they right. brought him. They brought him out into the Matrix, and then he was a program inside of the Matrix instead of inside of. Okay, okay. Keanu yeah. Reeves's and, game, and apparently it's not. It's kind of it, it's supposed to be like half Morpheus, half Smith, right? Although I don't, aside from him starting off, because they do the whole, we we're giving you the opening scene of the first Matrix movie, and right. they have Morpheus dressed up like an agent. It's supposed to be like, oh, he's the new Smith. Um, aside from that, I didn't feel like he had any of Smith's personality. Sure. Like, in terms of the acting, I didn't feel like there was any sort of, you know, Hugo Weaving's mannerisms or anything um so it that came off like a very weird line of like yeah it's a mix of the two men that made you who you are today and it's like (laughs) no i named you after two of the bravest men i ever knew morpheus smith (laughs) potter morpheus (laughs) gonna say morpheus spoon (laughs) goku naruto (laughs) it's a pro zd bit i i tm pro zd but yeah 
I sure. did think that was kind of a weird setup because they're like it's a modal. It's like this this treadmill almost. It's like a program that repeats itself. Yeah. And I guess Neo subconsciously made this Morpheus character as a way to free his mind. Sure. Let's go with that. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> I will um, say it did lead to my favorite performance in the movie by my best friend, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Mm-hmm. I really like that guy a lot. Um, he's really good at uh, playing um, previously uh, like reincarnations of characters who walked around naked uh, looking buff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and no, I just think Yaya's like great. <laughs> I just think he's a really good actor. Obviously, I love him in Watchmen. I thought he was really good in Aquaman. And I really liked him in this. And I, it, it's not that he does anything particularly revelatory. I just I think it just comes down to, man, I like this guy. <laughs> he's just. He's just a good person to have in a movie. Unfortunately, I feel like there's maybe one too many characters in this movie. Yeah. And by that, I mean, I feel like either Smith or Morpheus should be cut entirely. And I'm leaning towards Smith as much as I love Jonathan Groff. But Morpheus doesn't have a whole lot to do. And in terms of like, we we feel like we are obligated to bring back certain characters. Right. They can be in new forms, but we have to bring people back. No, no, the whole point of the first three movies was we have to destroy Smith. He is gone yeah. at the end of the third movie. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't I, I don't know why he's brought back aside from fan service. And apparently that was one of the cases where they were they tried to get Hugo Weaving and he wanted to be in it, but it was purely because of scheduling conflicts that mm. he couldn't be in this. Mm. Gotcha. He was off filming the new Red Skull show for Disney Plus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did he? Why is he? It's just, how did he get so red? It's just Red School. Like he's he's sitting at the top of the the big space mountain mm-hmm. and uh, space mountain in Disney World. Yeah, and he's throwing people off of it. <laughs> it's like a British uh, prank show. And in, in return, in return, they get a turkey leg instead <laughs> of an Infinity Gym. <laughs> you were caught by the Red Skull. Now you're gonna be. Say it with me, folks thrown off that <laughs> mountain <laughs> i got the soul turkey <laughs> um listen it's not impossible that that would happen <laughs> as a show uh, i mean i think there there's one too many factors there yeah maybe um mostly hugo weaving doing a fun thing <laughs> No, but uh, also the yeah. murder. <laughs> sure. How, how Hugo guys... Weaving can host that total wipeout show where British people have to run across like inflatables on a lake. <laughs> Only yeah. the, instead of the host being a bunch of like twenty year olds, it's Hugo Weaving going, "All right," and they're trying to run. Ag- oh, they fell in the water again. All right. He uses his accent, his normal accent, but he has the Red Skull. <laughs> it's because it matches. It's me, it matches Hugo the Weaving. big, the big red inflatable balls that they have. Right. To jump totally. Across. Yeah. <laughs> He's their new mascot. Oh, God. Hugo Weaving, be a replaced Matt uh, Lucas on Great British Bake Off. <laughs> it's just Noel Fielding and Hugo Weaving walking around <laughs> being like, oh, so uh, how's the Frangipan going? I think uh, Hugo Weaving should be on a season of Great British Bake Off as one of the contestants, and everyone else is normal. Everyone else is just <laughs> like just some, some person who's just excited because they picked up baking during the pandemic, and yeah. also Hugo Weaving is there. But I hope that they never mention that. They never like make yes. a big deal of that fact that he's Hugo Weaving. Like When they do the uh, the bios of like, 
Paul lives in Surrey with his wife, Marianne, and children, <laughs> Tilda and Nathaniel. He enjoys walking his dog and having a train. And then they, it's like, Hugo lives in Sussex. And it's just like <laughs> Hugo, like, reading a book going, because they always, like, have them say something, like, just right as they, like, finish yeah. painting something. They have Hugo even, like, closing a book. On to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> and and Noel never makes any jokes about it or no, anything. They it's, it's literally never like mention normal, it. Like silly, silly fun. Yeah, poking fun at their friend Japan or whatever. Totally behind yeah. the scenes, Paul Hollywood's like, "What if I wore these sunglasses?" No, Paul, stop. That's you're, <laughs> it, it. Goes against the thing. Oh, but maybe I could have like elf ears. Paul, stop pitching. It's getting pathetic. Come on. <laughs> um. No, Alex. I hear what you what you mean, though. I think that maybe <laughs> I, I I do I, I did hey. wonder not how, yeah Smith does feel a little forced. I like Jonathan Groff a lot, as I as I said, I loved him since two thousand seven. But I think that the character does feel a little like shoehorned into the movie. You yeah, know? and I I was thrown off by the fact that they were just like, oh yeah, this is literally Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, it feels like it. You know. There, they, that could have been taken in a different, more creative direction. Of it was, uh, you know, he Jonathan Groff evolved from a, a remaining strand of Smith's code or something yeah. like the, something where it's like, oh, this is an offshoot or somewhere, or just have it be like he's a program that has gained sentience about the Matrix while working with Neo, and now he's trying to fight Neo, and like you have to. Like I don't know, I I think there there's more interesting ways to do that. Yeah, and that was kind of it was kind of distracting because I like the solution they come up with where Neo is Neo looks like this older man who's balding and, and just a completely different person, which is fun. There's a little shot where you see him in the mirror yeah. early on in the movie. That's pretty good. Um, which but, is also a good explanation as to why he's why the machines have been able to keep him hidden for so yes. long. Yeah, they talk about how um, like every once in a while they just change his appearance. Yeah, and the fact that the movie is like from Neo's perspective helps it work as okay. Well, he is, you know, doing all of this and and just looks like somebody else. Yeah, and so then it's like okay, that that's a cool explanation for why Smith doesn't look like Smith, but it's kind of distracting that he yeah. never looks like Hugo Weaving at any point, and, and that the entire time it's just. Jonathan and he Groff, tries know. impersonating him like a couple of times and it's not very good. Yeah, it's not like the same. He does the same line a couple of times and it, or like the same mannerism. And it's it's like, no, he's just more interesting if he's just playing a new character. Like that, I like that when, he, works when he first enters and he says Mr. Anderson because it's like an in movie joke. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm referencing the bit. So, you know, yeah, that that's a little a little different. They could have you know, they could have had him be con like there's a lot of options mm-hmm. to, to how to do this. Um, but I, I will say I really, uh, really like Neil Patrick Harris in this similar to, yeah, yeah. I, I, NPH is one of those actors who like, he works consistently, but I feel like there's these long gaps in between when I see, when I see him in something. Yeah. So every time I see him in something, I go, oh, right. He's great. <laughs> like, I never mm-hmm. forgot that, man, he's such a talented actor. Like, he's obviously very funny. He's a great singer. But he's like, he's, he was a really good villain in this. I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the 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 genuine turn that he has yeah. from becoming like, oh, I'm trying to help you too. No, I'm just using you. Like I thought that was very, very well done. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Um, okay. 
yeah, it did help that he wasn't trying to uh, use the same mannerisms as the architect. I'm glad that right. they were just like, no, it's his replacement. Um, right. And that I, I think that is a huge um, kind of advantage that this movie has, particularly over the sequels, is that it ditches the philosophical nonsense. Like, it's still there if you want to read into things. And of course, there's a lot going on from a meta level and thematically and yada, yada, yada. But it's not, it's literally not being talked about in conversations like it's a college thesis. Yeah, right. Which I think was a huge problem that all three of us had with particularly Reloaded, but it's also a bit in Revolutions as well. Um, And I like, I don't know, this movie has like this weird accessible quality that I, I found surprising. I thought it was going to be difficult for me to kind of get invested in this. And the opening bit where Bugs and Morpheus first meet up is a little confusing because you're really trying to get your bearings and there's a lot going on in that scene. But I feel like after that, the movie is actually a lot more straightforward than you might expect. Yep. Yeah. Um, they also tried to make cute robot sidekick characters that get introduced yes. and then are not in any way. <laughs> they're yeah, not. E- absolutely nothing. They're not even like shown they don't it's not even like they're unnecessary but they show up a lot like there's like yeah. one of them in one shot later it was it was weird this is obstacles and Herkonos or whatever their names were mm-hmm. one was a little twig guy like Groot yeah but a robot mm-hmm. and he was cheering at some point oh. I think yeah I got the Funko Pop look they, yeah. they did have a character called cc9 that was rolling around but they had to cut him out of the movie everyone thought maybe that's a bit too far <laughs> <laughs> no this is an orange ball with white highlights i don't understand I, what the problem is i don't get it when his thumbs up is a little uh, uh switchblade because <laughs> guys because <laughs> he's a badass Look, guys, I don't know why you're so upset about CC9 when R2-D2 is literally back and he he's there. He's in the ship. You can see him. <laughs> he's just wearing a mustache. <laughs> like, a, like a Lego game. It would have been great um, if in one of the... I would have liked Rise of Skywalker a lot more if R2, one of R2's big legs in one of the scene he was just like... He put up one of his legs like trying to make a mustache in front of his quote-unquote face. And he's like, look, there's that R2 unit. <laughs> he just like holds up the thing to make a mustache. That would have been way funnier, man. Guys, <laughs> way way funnier way, than Rise of way Skywalker. funnier than Golden Globe winning musical comedy Rise of Skywalker. Um, <laughs> Don't uh, hurt me like that. Listen, <laughs> what if what if Jonathan Groff had played Palpatine? Now the see, I think we should petition Lucasfilm Ta- to reshoot Rise of Skywalker with our spec script. Jonathan Groff and the R2 mustache. <laughs> Tyler, I, I That's literally the name said, the movie, don't hurt Groff me like that. R2 mustache. <laughs> I literally said, don't hurt me like that. And then you said, Jonathan Groff is the emperor. They, yes, they, they have to uh, lean down and look through R2-D2's mustache to figure out where the Death Star <laughs> crashed. It would be great because they wouldn't put any makeup on him. He would just turn around with like the, the cloak over him, looking like uh, evil like Constantine and Muppets Most Wanted. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> And then at one point, Ray is like, I'm I'm not going to work with you, Palpatine. And he goes, you'll be back. And then he like <laughs> gives a big wink to the camera. Pop, would, would, would Rise of Skywalker raise, would the grade for Rise of Skywalker raise for any of us if it was exactly the same movie, but the opening had Jonathan Groff singing the 
the opening crawl. Yes. Uh, as the emperor, as <laughs> or not the emperor, the um, as as king king, king George. George. Uh, yes. that- Somehow Palpatine's come back. <laughs> I know him. That can't be that wrinkly guy who yelled at me. She is back. <laughs> like before. <laughs> okay, that's that's the opening number to our Rise of Skywalker musical. It's yes, called She is Back. So. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Jonathan Groff plays him and he comes in singing about how he's back and he's very yeah. excited it's it's sort of a i don't know maybe kind of a wicked thing sure, it's all from yeah. his perspective <laughs> <laughs> and there's he's, a there's a lyric where he's like i'll kill you yes forthwith you are all the jedi i'm the sith <laughs> <laughs> but i also do love Be- maybe see this is what okay this is what the obi-wan show should be is it should be wicked it's obi-wan and vader christensen whatever singing what is this feeling (laughs) because uh uh, hayden christensen's all like he's not green but he's all like messed up because of the fire yeah man y'all this would be so much better than whatever that show's gonna love the idea of uh obi-wan and darth vader being like i hope you're happy i hope you're happy now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that this totally reframes the fight in um right this is like new hope it, yeah it's, it's before they they split apart where they sing Cause, well because uh, that's because that yeah wicked reframes like the yeah was it the end of wicked so, yeah it's all it's it's adding context and we find out that actually darth vader or actually obi-wan escaped through a panel on the floor and went off to live with uh i don't know like his son that he has in Son yeah. of the Jedi, the sequel book to <laughs> well, and and uh, maybe like Ahsoka. Yeah. Okay. There Can you go. Ahsoka. Yeah. And there's that great uh, bit where he Vader's about to kill him, but first they sing, um, "Has been changed for the better." <laughs> hey, here's a problem that I have with Wicked, the actual musical. Why uh-huh. in for you is the lyric like a seed dropped by a sky bird? I'm sorry. What other kind of bird is I you know, know like a like, like a land bird like a land okay it's a penguin but like <laughs> I or a emu yeah ostriches okay never mind I take it back Chickens. wicked's wicked's lyrics aren't stupid they're really wonderful <laughs> disgusticified is Although a great word better would it be if it was like a seed dropped by a land bird <laughs> it's just a penguin going ah what oh, dang <laughs> where'd my seed go that's what the pebble and the penguins about Alex's favorite yeah. animated movie. Uh, I watch it every day. <laughs> Alex, tell us more about your second favorite animated movie, The Matrix Resurrections. <laughs> that actually leads interestingly into my next point. <laughs> I can transition. So I can. I can. Segue. What happened? What about the Animatrix? <laughs> this sort of leads into my next. All point. right, so, let's do this. So the whole the whole idea at the beginning of the movie is that the new Matrix has set up Thomas Anderson as a game developer who made these seminal classics called the Matrix Trilogy, mm-hmm. and it's a set of video games. Why then, when we are seeing, specifically, they show on screen like bits from the la- the previous movies, why are they just movie scenes? I, I assume this I, is like an... It's it's one of two things. It's either he's he's uh, a miracle programmer and he like 
like a savant and he was able to like create this this 100% photorealistic video game uh or he is uh very avant-garde and and like there's there's games like this i can't think of the names of them off of any off the top of my head but where you you film scenes and then you interact with the scenes and the scenes play out because of what you you interact oh with. uh there's one called erica uh, yeah it's, yeah it's like that. i think i know yeah. i think that's what i'm thinking of so uh i assume it's one of those things no i my actual argument would be uh the games don't actually exist the matrix is a lie and is telling him that he made these games and that's why he has memories of them but they're actual memories no, I'm I'm fine with the memories, and he gets flashes of them, and we can talk about that because I'm not sure. Just as an editing editing choice, like he goes sure. in and he sees Jonathan Groff giving the uh, the Smith monologue, people just living their lives, and it cuts briefly to Hugo weaving from the first film. I think it becomes a little intrusive at points, yeah. but I was okay with it of like, no Neo, like his mind is flashing to yeah. those moments. So as a subjective editing choice, I think that's fine Yeah, I like for that. the most part, but specifically when bugs is kind of like follow the white rabbit again, and they go into the screening, like it's like a broken down theater and they're literally playing the scene of him taking the red pill on the screen and Morpheus is talking to him. I thought that was a little silly. Is that supposed to be? Morpheus specifically footage? says, this is your video game. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, it's, that, that's final answer. It's uh, it's an art piece. It's it's a uh, my point is reimagining of what video games can be. And that's my, why he's all famous and has an award. My point is, and I think this would have been a, a, a fun little twist on it, particularly because there's kind of confusion about, you know, when you know, she she believes she's Tiffany, but Trinity is going, there's that lady in your game looks a lot like me. Yeah. And I feel like if you're looking at the footage, you'd be like, no, it's me. <laughs> that um, is actually. But, and I've heard a few people talk online about this. There were like a couple of video games released around the time of the Matrix. Like there was Into the Matrix and then there was the Matrix Path of Neo. Um, I feel like it would have been cool to like, recreate scenes from the first movie in like a ps2 graphics engine like mm -hmm. having it be like no it th what it would look like if he made them as games back in like 1999 and like showing that as the scenes i think would have been interesting yeah that could have been cool otherwise that's... like why can't you just say he is a film director making another matrix movie you know Sure. It's I a little it's... the the disconnect between like he's making a video game but they're showing film scenes. It's just weird. Uh, yeah, that that uh, I... scene in the theater kind of threw me off because when when they got in there, I picked up my controller because I figured I'm about to have to fight Clayface. <laughs> so I got to make sure I've got my, my my freeze bombs in my my weapon slot here. <laughs> got it right. on the shortcut, but you know, then right. I guess I had to keep watching the movie. Uh. I I would say I for one that's like a large undertaking for them to animate that sort of thing and like put all that together. Um sure, but they also did that at the time of the sequels. They made a video game at the same time as both of those movies together. Totally. So it's not it's not unusual for for 
you know, it was both Wachowskis at the time, but it's not unusual for, for this group of creators to do something that crazy. Sure. Yeah, sure. this is also like a COVID thing. and Yeah, yeah and like it, if it is a, you had to make, have to make this, it's not necessarily a passion project. It's more of a, yeah. you were struck by inspiration and went with it, but would not necessarily have been doing it otherwise. I don't know. I I feel like that, could be difficult to put together it'd be fun it'd be yeah, fun if they'd done cool. it i would have i would have enjoyed it um i don't know i i think the video game angle is neat because i think in a lot of ways that helps kind of unravel some of that metatextual stuff differently sure um like there's the, the again all the scenes with all the, the the programmers kind of talking or the narrative designers I guess talking and trying to figure out like what are we gonna make this game out of, um, I think that helps almost analyze it in a way that's di- like I think that helps that come across as how do you reverse engineer something like the Matrix, the movie, um, versus if it was about oh hey this director has to make the new Matrix movie then I think you end up, it becomes a lot harder for that to be something where you're evaluating the original movie and kind of speaking to some of the the challenges about trying to create a fourth one uh, because it it would theoretically only be the director's vision. And so I I think that's a really neat to to take that analog and kind of change it a little bit and and explore this in a different light. Uh, And it also... It is literally kind of the premise of the Matrix because the Matrix is about you go into a, vir- a virtual reality and you lose yourself in it. And so, yeah, I thought that was really cool. I I think that that was something that kind of piqued my interest early on. Is that that's how they choose to analyze it? It's it's not straight up. Here's the here's somebody who's having to make a movie. Yeah, and it's Neo, and that's kind of interesting. It it takes a different angle on it. I also think that. Uh, Keanu Reeves is more believable, maybe as a, like a, <laughs> a super artistic, uh, reserved sort of hermit programmer than necessarily a a big well, director. But I mean, Neo is a programmer. That is what he right. starts at in the first movie. So yes, th- this is a a natural extension of that. I, I'm my criticism is purely from a stylistic choice. Sure. That's that's it. I think ideas wise, it makes perfect sense to me, and I, I like it. Um, this movie does seem to forget some of the mythology from particularly the sequels, and it kind of just makes its own rules up, which I'm okay with to a certain degree. Um, but specifically in terms of the Neo and Trinity together creates so much power that basically we can't live without them. Um, but we can't let them touch, otherwise there's a giant like shockwave or something right. <laughs> when two people are really in love alex that's how it is you know? <laughs> metaphor <laughs> yeah the, the shockwave uh, is the baby oh <laughs> but, i i don't know if that was my read on it i i feel like the idea was that the analyst was the one who was hijacking trinity and neo and making them more and more important in the function of the matrix 
Um, I feel like it's. I don't know if that was the idea as as far as like, oh, they realize that they have to be that way. In the original Matrix. Well, he specifically has the line and this is once again meta. He was like, it was crazy expensive to bring you both back. Um, and I do really like it's like a really disturbing montage of like their bodies getting rebuilt. And it's just like, yeah, the more pain we caused you guys, the more energy we got. It was really weird. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's very different from what is established in, in the last films. And I know this movie wants to transcend beyond Neo is the one. And I really like his monologue where he's defending his choice to go out and save Trinity. He's like, I never believed in the one, but she believed in me. So it's only, you know, I, I, I should return the favor. Like I, I want to believe in her now. Um, but then she ends up flying at the end and it's yeah. just, I get it. But it, I, I mean, here's the thing. The, the, the rules have always been not super defined in the Matrix movies. Like, at the end of the second one, he has powers in the real world. He can destroy Sentinels in the real world, and that's just never addressed. Um, it's just like you have a power from the machine source somehow. Um, and then, you know, in the first one, he gets shot at the end by Smith, and it's like, by the logic the movie has laid out, you die. Um, but the Trinity goes... No, you can't die. The Oracle told me I would fall in love with the one and I love you. And so he just kind of springs back up to life. And it's like, that doesn't really make sense, but I, it's a fun character moment, I guess. And now he's going to kick all these agents butts. All right. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I'm willing to let it go, but it's, and it works, like I said, on, on a meta level in terms of like, you know, a lot of money to bring back these actors and to bring characters like this back. Um, but I don't know. It was, it was, the logic wasn't quite sound for me. Sure. How did we feel about Neo just using force push? He just pressed yeah. uh, the X button <laughs> like through that ending chase. Right. Yeah. Hit the quick time. Yeah. I mean, I de uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it looked okay. You know, it was fine. I think I yeah. like that action sequence more than some of the previous ones, so. Sure. I like the flourishes of, like, no, we've got, like, swarms. We just have, like, random bots yeah. throughout the Matrix, and it on a dime, they can just start attacking in, in a mob. Well, I, like, I thought that was really fun. There's a good trick where they drive up, but they crash a car and ride up mm -hmm. like a ramp. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jonathan Groff starts that with a good line where he's like, the difference is that Neo, the difference between us, Neo, is that you could be anyone and i have always been everyone or something like that and i'm all the matrix and i am all yeah. the matrix i think the line is the difference between us tom is that anyone can be you while i can be anyone and then right. he transforms yeah. into just a bystander right i think yeah neat good line yeah i i, I don't know like i'm not sure how i feel about the the end scene just because like i said trying to make it more personal and like by action movie standards, it's still very big, but for a matrix movie, it's relatively small. And yeah. I just think that's an interesting choice. And I think a lot of people kind of went into this, like I said, with different expectations. I think a lot of people went into this expecting like, you know, this is like continuation. It's going to be the first of a new trilogy or whatever. And I think pretty definitively it's not 
Right. Like you get to the end and it's like, oh, this was just supposed to be like a really good epilogue. And that's kind of how I read it. <laughs> mm, sure. Yeah, kind of kind of a hey, I'm going to take a hopeful spin on this. Like I'm going to revisit this franchise and make it something that that ends a little more optimistically. Yeah. Um and, and like verifies the strength it verifies that the originals were important in some way, sort of like by having it redeem or not redeem, but having it say Neo's choices mattered. Like that's, I don't know. Uh, I agree. I, I think that's interesting. And I did, I think I do ultimately like that, that again, having that realization of this movie is probably not really what I would want out of this movie, but I can tell that that was the plan that this yeah. this was the vision behind making this is is just showing kind of trinity and neo reunite and pretty definitively set the path forward for them to ultimately like potentially free all humans you know like th- there's a much better angle as opposed to just neo sacrifice himself so the humans will survive Uh, the old age makeup on Jada Pinkett Smith looks really good. Like I yeah, didn't, I, thought, I did not recognize her at first. Yeah, I actually really liked that Niobe was in the movie, and I thought yeah. she kind of sold that pretty well. And it felt sure. all of that felt natural. Yeah. Um, and even I wish Lawrence Fishburne was in the movie, but like mm-hmm. I, all you know, all the backstory they kind of give with him, and he's like, and you know, he couldn't really let go that you know all this conflict was happening after neo sacrificed himself he's like no i'm gonna stick with my dogma like he is he was the one he made this big sacrifice now there's just peace um i don't know all that stuff felt like very organic like i don't know that all made sense to me and uh, you mentioned jessica henwick i thought i thought she did a nice job i like that the character called bugs has a tattoo of a rabbit and says what's Mm -hmm. up doc at one point Mm -hmm. i thought that was fun She should have shown up, uh, showed up in uh, Space Jam: A New Legacy. <laughs> Aren't isn't Smith in that? I'm sure everyone's in that. <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't seen it, but Tyler, you've seen Space Jam two multiple times, yeah. right? Yeah. You were Favorite like movie you, of 2017. Yeah, you were like, uh, this is the new The Way Back. Yeah, Ben Affleck's great in it. <laughs> um. Ben Affleck's great as Daffy Duck. Good, good Morbius cameo. <laughs> Teaser for his movie, which we'll get to. We'll get to. Oh, don't worry. We will, dear listener. And um, you know what? It might get to us too. <laughs> it probably will. Um, it's a good yeah, give it like it. a, give it like a seven point three out of ten. Oh wow, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, which implies that I, I can't think of what else came in, came out in twenty seventeen, but that does imply everything else. That came out in 2017. I gave less than a. <laughs> I was gonna say 7. Blade 3. Runner 2049, 7.1. Yeah. yeah. Get out, Close. lady. Late get out. Shape of Water, Lady Bird. None of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Three billboards yeah, outside Ebbing, Missouri. I Zero wasn't. Morbius. No. Yeah. Honestly, I wasn't crazy <laughs> about that movie. So. It would have been fun if Morbius, if one of the billboards that Francis Miriam put up in that movie was a billboard for Morbius. <laughs> she was like, why haven't you found my daughter? Also, you, I want you to know about my <laughs> about Morbius. 
<laughs> you know about Morbius? <laughs> oh, man. Well. Yeah, I guess. Well, guys, I think all the dreams have gone to bed for the night. It's time to, it's time to pack <laughs> up and take this show to the next town. Unless, Alex, is there more to say about Matrix before we we grade this sucker? Or is Space Jam 2? Yeah, what did you think of it? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it, it, was, it hurt. It, it hit too close to home. It really did. I, I, like, I like Space Jam. Uh, I, I, I didn't <laughs> did want to touch on... Uh, <laughs> my, uh, my father was killed by a basketball. I can't watch that movie. <laughs> You know, I really, I really teared up when they killed the Iron Giant for the fifth time. <laughs> really, man, I really love how the modern culture has really embraced Iron Giant as being a character that's all about combat and killing. Yeah. That's really yeah. the true spirit of. Why that didn't movie. the Iron Giant show up in the Matrix Resurrections? That's a good What's point. That about? Yeah, he could, brothers could have done it. He could have stepped on a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They, I'd love they, like they... an R-rated Iron Giant movie where he's just like mm-hmm. doing you know? drugs and killing people. <laughs> You know, you know. Sometimes, sometimes it's really nice when they could have done something and they just didn't. Man, I just want like uh, the, I just wish Iron image, Giant was more like Boba Fett. The image of the the Iron Giant with his giant round eyes doing heroin <laughs> is that's that's gonna stick with me. Um, <laughs> the needle keeps bouncing off his metal arm. Oh no! <laughs> Last thing I wanted to to address real quick. Um, I like that the character of Sati is back. Uh, yes. Priyanka Chopra Jonas. Um, that character is in the third movie and yeah. is the one that makes the Matrix now vibrant and super colorful. Like that is the final scene of the third movie. She's like, I did this for Neo. Um, so I like that they carry that forward. They don't keep kind of the, the boring, just kind of green tinged yeah. look to, to the Matrix. Yeah. It's a good-looking movie. No, I I agree. Yeah, I completely agree. But yeah, I like that they brought that character back because, once again, we're not going to just... People didn't like 2 and 3, but we're not going to forget about them. Yeah, and they don't bring her back for for nothing. It's not just like, ah! Yeah, she's a a part of the movie. Yeah, I agree. What do y'all give The Matrix 4.0? What did I give the previous three? Oh boy, we're we're gonna need I'm a gonna, time machine for that. I'm gonna go go ahead and say I'm gonna give it a B minus. I'm curious where that lines up with my other grades. Okay, so the first Matrix, all of us gave it a B. Interesting. Wow. Uh, Matrix Reloaded, I gave a C minus. Tyler gave it a D, and Britton, you gave it a D plus. Okay. Then Matrix Re- Revolutions, excuse me, Resolutions. There we go. Um, I gave it a D, and you both gave it an F. Okay, okay. I got it. That's interesting. I gave a, a B to the first one. Uh, I'm going to give this one a A flat C. That's high praise. <laughs> uh, yeah, let me do flat C. Um, Tyler, I think I'm aligned with you. I think I'm going to go B minus, which is. I feel like I kind of need to raise my grade for the first film to like a B plus or something. I was going to say, I was surprised you yeah. gave that a B. I, that, that is about what I remember feeling last time I watched. The, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and, and bump, bump that up to a B plus that, that feels okay. That doesn't feel right. <laughs> All right. Cheater. Yeah. Really? Jeez. What are you doing? Look, it, it's, 
it's like it was like episode 46 or whatever like we were whatever babies. it's fine had to had to calibrate yeah, we, were babies we reviewed that life. half a decade ago <laughs> it was it was a pre-morbius world we didn't it there was. was so much we didn't know about movies yet mank yeah. hadn't come out morbius <laughs> minions hadn't come out the three m's the the big the big m's but yeah, I, I I definitely was was super happy with this, and I I yeah. was not expecting it to be as good as it was, and it was nice to, it, it was nice particularly after the lackluster sequels to get this one and be like, all right, I feel like we ended on it at least a decent note. I don't need any more Matrix yeah. now. I feel like I'm good. Well, also, like but the, in a yeah. in a positive way, not in a no. You guys just drove it into the ground. I don't want any more. We're, we're yeah, done. Yeah. Well, and like the random fourth matrix movie could have been the worst of these this glut of reboots and that it is not is a is a nice mercy yeah yeah talking to mercies uh anybody got recommendations (laughs) i have a uh kind of lukewarm recommendation i watched the rock i may i watched like half of that movie the the Michael Bay yeah. film from <laughs> the mid nineties with Nicolas Cage, Sean Connery, and Ed Harris. Yeah, Sean Connery is a is a Russian character in that movie, but he does not do a different accent. He's not Russian, isn't he? No, is he American then? No, he's British. Okay, okay. It's supposed to be he's not James Bond, but he's James Bond. Okay, like I must they even say like else. he's ex like British Secret Service or something. Okay, I'm confused with um, something else. Like yeah. That. You're it's probably it, thinking of like Goldfinger or something. <laughs> I was gonna say, is it Hunt for Red October? Does he have to maybe? I think that might maybe be that's it. it. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Okay. I'm James um, Bond from Soviet Russia. <laughs> but yeah, The Rock is um, Ed Harris and a bunch of soldiers um, take over Alcatraz and hold a bunch of people hostage with with these uh, weird uh, made up sci fi weapons. Um, and Nicolas Cage, Sean Connery, and Michael Bean and a bunch of soldiers have to go and try and stop them on Alcatraz. Um, I, I think I liked it. <laughs> um, it's weird because obviously all the Michael Bay, you know, kind of trademark elements are in there, but they're much more subdued. Um, so it's hard. It's like, I feel like this movie needs to go crazier. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, but if it did, it'd probably be terrible. <laughs> yeah, but that is that is such a, like, Friday night, you know, multiplex 90s movie. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I did feel like the movie didn't spend enough time on Alcatraz. It felt like, oh, we're already through, like, half of the movie before the mission actually starts. Because there's a lot of Sean Connery's character is a, you know, prisoner and we have to talk him into going with us on this mission. So there's a lot of time spent on that, which, I mean, it's cool to see Sean Connery. He's clearly having a lot of fun. Um, I'm, I'm glad he got a role like this before League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which he absolutely <laughs> hated. Um, but it, him and Nicolas Cage is just a very weird pairing. <laughs> like, I'm still kind of mulling the movie over in my mind. Like I said, I think I liked it. But, sure. um I definitely give it a shot if you just want like a, a dumb action movie. I think it's it's definitely definitely serviceable in that area. Sure, for sure. Tyler, uh, I still don't know if I've recommended this before. I don't think I have. Uh, Beta Ray, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was no, gonna say the I, way back. I mean, come on. I uh, I uh, played a video game a couple weeks back that I uh, 
did not recommend for whatever reason and then realized that it actually fits thematically pretty well with this one um i played a game called the stanley parable there is a re-release of it called the stanley parable ultra deluxe uh that adds quite a bit of new content that i i won't get into any further than that um but the the original game is a really brilliant fun exploration of like choice in video games it's it's all about the entire gameplay loop is basically you are walking around as a character uh first person point of view in a office and no one else is in the office and you're trying to figure out what's happening and there's a narrator talking through all of your actions and they react to everything you do so like if you are walking ahead and the the most famous like initial example of this is that there's a point that you come into where you you walk up to two doors and the narrator's like stanley picked the door on the left and then if you go right he starts saying like stanley knew this was not the way to the meeting room but he (laughs) decided to go and explore the lounge like it basically starts correcting and and ends up like in some paths that you take the narrator gets super like mad at you for doing what you're doing and it it ends up getting super like down in the weeds meta narratively insane and it's very fun uh and it's not like a super long game especially the just the first the stuff that's in the first one um but then the second or the the re-release uh like totally sort of flips that on its head with new content and like spends a ton of time exploring like what does a sequel mean now like what do, what do we do with like a re-release or how do how do we handle like adding you know following up on on this original game uh, brothers is <laughs> legally forcing us to make a super yes. duper deluxe edition <laughs> like yeah like there's all this stuff about playing with with you know why they're making the game and like keeping the the heart of the original and like the, the narrator super insecure about doing this correctly and like they they at one point uh no i, w- I won't say any more than that i want to avoid getting too deep into any specifics but it, it's it, it's a really brilliant fun game it, it doesn't take a ton of time i think i played through it in about a week um having i actually hadn't played the original i just had like seen a lot i, I think back in the day i'd seen people play through it and stuff um but i like played through all the original content and then the new stuff over probably the course of a week and uh it's 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 really lovely and and silly and fun um and and will definitely break your brain in places uh and and it was a good time and so that uh, that while watching the at least the first part of this movie i was gonna like oh wow i never recommended that and that is (laughs) that is i think having had that like impulse or that that want to see stuff like that uh sort of fed (laughs) so recently uh, I think that also was on my mind in terms of like, oh, I really want to see them dig into that deeper and, and pull into that that weird uh, looping in on yourself in the way that you're telling this narrative. So, yeah, Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. I've heard so many good things about Stanley Parable. I've never played it, but that 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 really sells it to me. I'm gonna have to track that down. Yeah. Um, I don't have like a recommendation. Recommendation. Instead, I have a a different kind of thing that this will be a recurring feature but i don't know how frequent it will be i uh re i rewatched a movie that i was not on the podcast for so i'm gonna i'm gonna it's a ret- oh. retcon mendation 
mm-hmm. uh, where I will mm-hmm. I will give it a grade and kind of give my thoughts. I watched Avengers Infinity War. Um, there we go. Or rewatched. And uh, it's great. Probably my favorite line is when Doctor Strange throws up all of his mini arms and says, this war just keeps going. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or like when Iron Man, after Bruce explains everything to Iron Man, he's like, are you telling me we're in some kind of Infinity War? <laughs> That's great. Um, this movie should be called Infinity Arms. <laughs> well, and there's that great scene where um, Proxima Midnight is about to, is about to kill Scarlet Witch, and then Scarlett Johansson says, huh, "You should call that. We should call ourselves the Infinity Women because we're the only ones fighting around here." <laughs> or that, or that part where where Thanos is, is like, "I am Infinity," and Tony Stark's like, "Well, I am War. And, <laughs> I am yeah. all the wars. I am all the wars." And then a bunch of Civil War guys show up. It's great. Yeah. Um, no, uh, I don't know that I have anything to say about Infinity War that hasn't already been said. Um, it's really good. It, it It's a movie that I, for being a nice three-hour movie with a, a fairly heavy ending, it works really well as just entertainment. Like, it's a, I mm-hmm. think it's a really well-paced, like, we're just going and going. There's I think the fight sequences are really well-conceived and really well-executed. It's very funny. Um, it was great to see Robert Downey Jr. again. Uh, obviously, he's great. Great to be reminded of him. And, you know, you got all the... I think they they do a nice job of, like, interweaving all these characters. And you get a lot of fun bits of them that don't... T- with maybe a few exceptions, Star-Lord. They don't take too long. Um, like, there's the great I am Groot, I am Steve Rogers. Like, that's just, mm-hmm. that's just mm-hmm. sweet. I just... I like that bit. And I'm going to get that arm and all this other kind of stuff. Um it's just it's a really fun movie i i like it a lot and uh i give it an a so alex you can throw that on the on the on the score sheet um yeah i i i think i said this on our end game review infinity war is the reason like infinity war does all the like work that allows in game to just do what sure. it wants to do like infinity war is the is the the real like miracle like like, (laughs) that movie works is insane like it exactly yeah it it literally does fit all of those characters into one movie and and by the end of it you're like yeah i feel like and by by the you see all these characters and by the end of you're like wow thanos really left an impact on yeah totally somehow in the middle of all this he has a very very compelling sort of not so much arc but a exploration yeah oh no he's Uh, like brolin's fantastic in that movie and that like yeah, it, it all it, it makes sense really well. It's it's just really good. And then when and however you whether you look at that the ending as just sheer emotional manipulation or as cinema storytelling, I say one those two things aren't that separate. <laughs> um, sure. And I don't mean that cynically. I mean like that's what storytelling is. But two, I think however you look at it, it succeeds. <laughs> like I I I think it's a really good ending, and I think it's put across quite effectively um and yeah i just i there's something just really really just like adrenaline about um thor mm-hmm. showing up in wakanda that's like mm-hmm. magic mm-hmm. but then when uh when chris evans is just holding on to thanos's big old hand like that's so yep. good um i watched another movie that i will retcon mendation next week um, oh but I, I actually got. Is it Avengers Endgame? It is not Avengers Endgame. Funny <laughs> enough, no, no, it's Fallen Kingdom. It, no, it's is not. it Ant Man? I was gonna say it's Ant Man and the Wasp because <laughs> right afterwards you were like, I need more of the story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I need the next step details. here. Right. Yeah. 
I, I was like, you know what Infinity War didn't have? <laughs> My best friend, Ant-Man. Um, but yeah, Avengers Infinity War. It's a good time. <laughs> you, you were like, you know, I watched Matrix Resurrections. I was like, I didn't get any Lawrence Fishburne. I got a statue of him. So then I went to his seminal role in Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> Is he in that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I've seen it. I've for- totally forgotten that. Yeah. He plays... Uh... <laughs> His name's Bill. What is huh. what is his full name? Is it Bill Foster? Goliath? Bill Foster. There we go. Yeah. Mm. Goliath. Okay. Okay. Tyler, why do I know more about this than you do? Because you hate it. Well, I knew I knew that I was thinking Goliath, and I couldn't connect the yeah the the Britain, hero is Britain. That's very fair. <laughs> it's 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 not it's not who's behind the mask, but what they do that define him. Even though he doesn't wear a mask in that. Sure. Yeah, I didn't get enough Lawrence Fishburne in Matrix, so I decided to watch What's Love Got to Do With It? The Ike and <laughs> Tina Turner story. <laughs> um, from 1991, I think. Yeah. Next week, we are going to... So, guys, uh, let listeners know, the next few weeks are going to get a little a little silly, a little slapdash. Um, next week, we are going to go to a, a personal summit for Alex. Um, so that's going to be a, a big one, uh, for this podcast in a way. Yeah. I would, cause you really like the thing we're going to talk about is what I mean. Yeah. Um, and after that, uh, you're going to find out. <laughs> yeah. We, we're also going to find out. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, and so are we, we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. Um, Britain keeps, Britain keeps giggling with delight every time if it, you, it comes up in conversation. Tyler and I don't know what he's up to. <laughs> <laughs> they just, they he just, just comes out of his, his shed every now and then, and <laughs> he's covered in grease and blood. <laughs> just hum, humming the lyric, humming the melodies to different cat songs. We're, we're, we're scared and, and lonely. <laughs> Sometimes at night there's a strange whooshing sound. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, that's me. The sky turns purple. <laughs> Britain, have you been working with Tom Hooper on a new project? <laughs> mm, I can't say. But uh, uh, if you want to find out what what maniacal scheme Britain is crafting up, uh, <laughs> you can uh, check for that on. Uh, our website, herecomesequels.blogspot.com. You can email us at herecomesequels at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at HTTSequels. Uh, We're on Spotify and Apple Music and all the all the good podcast players. Uh, so let us know what's on your mind and, and listen and give us a rate and a review. Uh, we will accept three-star reviews. We'll accept, yeah. you know, give give us that engagement, you know? Mm-hmm. Give us the clicks. Yeah, that's all, that's all we want. We're not honest up here for a second. No, just no, no. We're put just, we're put just... them numbers by our podcast. Guys, name. guys, we don't really want to build a community. Look, we have the worst fans. There. Just... <laughs> Look, every every episode, we've got Christina Ricci off to the side telling us the buzzwords of what we think are, are going to yes. make it for, for surefire hits for more episodes of the podcast. Yeah, that's why I made a puddle of mud joke a few episodes I back. Was gonna, I was going <laughs> to joke about how this... Right now it's Morbius, but knowing us, Morbius is going to be like our most viewed podcast episode because I'm pretty sure right now the top like five have four Snyder movies, if I'm not mistaken. And then I think Dune also. (laughs) So that's that's the. Yeah. 
<laughs> one one of these days maybe we'll actually uh try to do something with with the community because you are the best fans and we'll we'll True. if you send us a thing and we'll... maybe that'll be a tri-monthly newsletter yeah and if you write us an email and want it, we'll read it on the podcast, maybe. Like, I mean, maybe depending we'll... on what's in the letter. Yes, obviously. this is true. This is true. You should actually email us. Yeah. Yeah, but like... We are, we're lonely. We're very lonely. Yeah, totally. Like, we're, we we will interact. We, the only reason we haven't done it is because people haven't given us anything to react to. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Joseph, who keeps, yeah. keeps the dream alive with Shrek memes. Yeah, our dear Joseph and my friend Catherine from all those years yep. ago. But anyway... Big, 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 big storm's coming. <laughs> All right, now now that I've been uh, filled with optimism, uh, I've been Alex. <laughs> I've been Tyler. I've been Britain, and if you want to know my dark machinations, next time you're having a nightmare, listen to it backwards. Welcome to You're Having a Good Night, Vale. <laughs>